Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the steam rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet they did not fall, because it has a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds house on the sand. The rain came down, the steam rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Hi, I'm Sarah. Recently, I have been thinking about movies and TV classics. This is probably in part brought on by the recent death of Matthew Perry from Friends. Show of hands, who else in this room has done a dive recently back into Friends since hearing about Matthew, Matthew's death? So, yeah, so I'm not alone here in this. Um, and then as I've been thinking about movies as well, there, there are a couple of classics which I really do love. Shawshank Redemption, Dead Poets Society, The Sound of Music, to name just a few. But another absolute blockbuster was Titanic. Now, it wasn't my favorite because I don't think Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio is handsome enough to be the hero of such an epic movie. <laughs> we can talk about that later. But the way the movie encapsulates the reality of that absolute tragedy was pretty incredible. For those of you who have been around HTC for the last year or two, you would have heard Jago share one of the images that we as a church have felt has been given to us by God for our congregation in the current days, that of an icebreaker ship. And I love that image, the incredible strength and the focus and the effectiveness of that ship as we look to confront challenges and seemingly insurmountable obstacles in the path that God is leading us on. As I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded about the incredible Titanic. What an impressive ship. It was an expression of many people's hard work and creativity and diligence and investment. But if we look a little bit closer, there's an undeniable contrast in that ship. On the upper deck, there was amazing luxury and opulence. And in stark contrast was the poverty-stricken lower decks. Of course, when the iceberg, when the ship hit that iceberg, everyone on board, no matter what their net income level, was plunged into disaster. And within minutes of hitting that iceberg, there was another contrast. Those on the top were tragically oblivious to the fatal blow below. 
Everything still looked great upstairs. The party was still in full swing, but down below there was mayhem. In a matter of two hours, 40 minutes, the issues of the lower deck flooded up to the upper deck, and the Titanic was broken up and sunk into those icy depths. As individuals, as families, as a community, as the local or the global church, as a nation, as our world, sooner or later those issues that simmer below deck will rise up and threaten the whole boat. On our upper decks, on our social media pages, and the other places that we put forward with a, new, with a neatly curated image, all might look in order, even impressive. But the reality is in our depths, threatening waters can be rising. And it's in those lower decks, the more vulnerable, the often overlooked and underinvested parts of ourselves, where our spiritual lives take shape and are being formed. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, O oh my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. What's happening in my deepest parts? And what is contributing to how that is being formed? Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, says the following, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Our culture also recognizes the meaningless existence when we only live out of the shallow places. Another movie that always makes me cry, which in my book makes it a classic, is A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. And in it, they sing a song called Shallow. It's actually the ringtone on my phone, much to my colleagues' dis dis disapproval, I think. The lyrics go, tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground. Crash through the surface where they can't hurt us. We're far from the shallow now. Even pop culture recognizes that we need to get out of the shallow and dive in. This kind of superficiality works against us. 
We're not fully able to navigate the complexities of this world, whether they relate to our emotional health or issues such as justice, race, and sexuality, to name a few. How can we be instruments of peace and healing in a world that is breaking apart all around us? The answer lies in a different place, in a deeper place. We have to go below deck. God is concerned about our transformation, but not only about the top 5% of our lives, rather transformation of our whole selves, those deepest parts that Psalm 42 is referring to. Why is it that all too often we settle for being shallowly shaped instead of deeply formed? In the book, The Divine Commodity, Sky Jathani articulates how the shallow shaping might sound. My secret is that I want to be relevant and popular. I want my desires fulfilled and pain minimized. I want a manageable relationship with an institution rather than a messy relationship with real people. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ by showing up to entertaining events rather than through the hard work of discipline. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve and not look at the darkness in my heart. And above all, I want a controllable God. I want a divine commodity to do my will on earth as in heaven. How desperately short that way of thinking falls of what God's desire is for each of us. In our passage today, we encounter two home builders. Both of them had heard Jesus' teachings and both of them experienced the same circumstances. Externally, their homes, which is the metaphor for their lives, would have looked similar. But the lasting structural difference would have been revealed by the storms of life. So there are two parts to consider in this metaphor. The one is the importance of the kind of foundation, but also the importance of the building work that had to be done by these men. Firstly and most significantly, for the survival of this house is that the correct foundation was established. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we are saved, that we are set free, that we are reunited with God, that we live and move and have our being. He is our rock, He is our anchor, our hope, our glory. Without Him, we would be swept away to our demise and given to our own desires. He is life. And I think that most of us in this building would agree to that, or at least are open to considering the truth about Jesus, who he says he is, and that's the reason why we are here today. But what I'm not sure about is whether we're all as convinced by the truth that we need to do some serious work 
as we build our homes. This work, this forming, is spiritual formation. We are being formed spiritually in our deepest parts, whether we are aware of it or not. The question is more, who am I being formed into? Whose discipleship, whose disciple am I being formed into? And as we consider the house that we are building or the investment in our lower deck, we become project managers of sorts. How do I build wisely? How do I invest in the lower decks of my life? In these last few minutes, we're going to touch on four ways that we are spiritually formed. Firstly, through teaching. Regularly seeking out and engaging with sound scriptural teaching and doctrine. This is incredibly crucial in our formation. But we don't want to stop there. We don't want to be left with a head full of vital truths about God, but a body unable to fend off sin. So we need to actively do something, which leads me to number two, our practice. Another favorite movie of mine is Dirty Dancing. We can also chat more about that offline one day. But one of the main reasons that I love it is because of the famous lift in the closing dance. One of my life goals is to successfully do that lift in a dance one day. Um, for those of you who have never seen this movie, Josh has agreed to go stand at the back so that we can demonstrate that here now. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, the reality is, no matter how sincerely Josh and I try to do that lift here today, it wouldn't go very well. I'll fall flat on my face, Josh would likely fall on his back. It would be a monumental disaster. Kind of like this couple who tried it out on the spur of the moment at a pub one day. They landed up in A&E. See, the truth though is that, the truth isn't that it can't be done, but we haven't trained to do it. See, I could try with all the good intentions in the world, all my little girl dreams to do this. I could calculate the math behind the aerodynamics needed to lift me off the ground so that I could soar effortlessly into Josh's arms there. I could ask Rory to put on the really dramatic background music or maybe ask Joe to shine the spotlight at the right angle to give me that lift. But if I don't train, if Josh doesn't train, or put it another way, if we don't practice, we will fall flat on our face when it comes to showtime. Dr. De Vries, the first doctor to install an artificial heart in a human being, told of the many times he practiced that installation in an animal. And he explained the reason you practice so much is so that you will do things automatically every time. As Christians, we long to be salt and light. We really do want to respond differently. 
We hope we will stand within the fire and under the onslaughts of life, but the reality is those spotlight moments won't happen unless we are training for them. Jesus' three years of public ministry was the result of 30 years of formation. And even within those three years of public ministry, he repeatedly would train himself in what is now referred to as the spiritual disciplines or practices. He would pray, he would fast, he would spend time in solitude, he would Sabbath, he would live simply, he would give sacrificially, he worshiped, he studied scripture, he celebrated, he was in fellowship. These are the practices, these are the disciplines that we work hard at in order to build and fortify ourselves. Whatever our body does affects our soul. We need to be intentional about the practices we build into our lives so that we are being trained into Christ-likeness. Being saved by grace is God's mysterious, undeserved, supernatural work in us. What about our active participation in spirituality and habit? C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, Uncle Screwtape reproaches the apprentice demon Wormwood for permitting his patient to become a Christian. Nevertheless, he says, there's no need to despair Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp and are now with us. All the habits of the patient, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. If a convert's habits remain the same, they will resemble very little of the life of Christ. Thirdly, and more briefly, community. As we gather intentionally and authentically with other believers, we see that we experience both exposure and encouragement. Exposure of who we really are, the sins that still so easily entangle, the default responses and desires that God in His grace is bringing to the surface to be addressed and stripped away. And at the same time in this community, it's an environment where our progress and our faithfulness is celebrated and is encouraged. We can't do this alone. So our community works alongside us, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit works tenderly within us. This is number four, the work of this Holy Spirit, this deep transformation is done in partnership with God through His Spirit. We submit to the easy yoke, to the intentional practices, to sitting under the teaching of His Word, to showing up faithfully week in, week out to community. But in tandem to this, God is doing deep, unseen, unglamorous tending to our souls. Augustine once said, without him, we can't. Without us, 
he won't. We have to make an effort on our part, not to earn anything, but to ready ourselves for the transformation that he is at work doing. And it's not a 50-50 partnership. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. We just need to surrender to him and in trust allow him to do this deep work. Like the foolish builder whose house came crumbling down, most of us don't set out to build on an inferior foundation with no structure or no form to sustain us. We're not being intentionally stubborn. We are most likely just being thoughtless. Another way of thinking about this is that we're not being intentional. We're not being proactive, we're being reactive, and we wonder why everything comes crashing down the moment a wave hits. I've personally been so encouraged by a group of our Women Connect group leaders here at HTC who've recently been very intentional about their spiritual formation. They've met at seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday for four weeks in a row to sit under sound scriptural teaching, to be led by the Spirit, to be in an accountability community, and to work out in their heads, but then also in their practice, the discipline of Sabbath. What are some ways that you and I can work with God in our formation this week or the months and the years ahead? As the band come up and the prayer team uh, come forward, I'd like to close by rereading the passage, this time from the message translation. So maybe just close your eyes and let the scripture wash over you. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message, we bashed the demons, our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, You are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, 
and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. If anything that's been said this morning, through my words, through what Jago said, if anything stirs something in the deeper parts of you, please feel free to come to one of our hosts, one of our prayer teams, and they'd be very happy to pray with you around that. We just close in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for your desire to know us, your desire to form us, your desire for us to be formed into the image of Christ. Thank you for the places you've put us in in our world. And God, we want to see those places transformed. We want to see those relationships and those places of work. We want to see those institutions. We want to see governments. We want to see things transformed, God. And thank you for the deep work you're doing already. And thank you that you invite us to partner with you in that. So Father God, as we leave this place today, continue to stir us, continue to prompt us, help us, God, as we submit to what it is you have for us, and be glorified in our, in our lives, and in this church we pray in Jesus' name, amen.